The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. <laughs> um, great. Welcome uh, to the last and fourth of the uh, Satipatthana series. So, um, who's here tonight for the first time ever at IMC? No one. Great. Everyone has been here before. Um, one person? Oh, yes, one person. Great. Welcome. I didn't see your hand. Welcome. Welcome. And a show of hands. Who's been here? I see some familiar faces. Uh, who's here for the first time for a part of the Satipatthana Sutta? Yes, a few hands went up. Great. Excellent. Welcome also. So it's never too late to hear about the Satipatthana Sutta. It's all good. The fourth part, the first part, the second part. So, so tonight we're talking about the... Uh, the second, so, so, so um, the, the fourth Satipatthana, uh, which is contemplating the Dhammas or mind objects. Last week we talked, we started to talk about them, but we had so much fun talking about the hindrances and uh, that we wouldn't get to talk about much else. So, so tonight we'll talk about the rest. So um, tonight we'll be, um, so, so, so uh, we talked last time about the five hindrances and we touched on the five aggregates just a little bit if you remember and uh, tonight we'll be talking about the sen- six sense spheres the seven awakening factors and the four noble truths so um, in order to lead into the discussion for tonight I offered three contemplations um, and I'd like to ask you in a moment about what came up for you, what you noticed. If you remember the first contemplation, uh, which has to do in a way with the, uh, the, the six sense doors, was to try to perceive hearing just as hearing, not with necessarily a me or mine, but just letting it flow as if, as if a river is, is what I offered. So that was one of the contemplations. The second one having to do with the seven awakening factors, we didn't go through all seven. I, I just offered sati, mindfulness, to see if mindfulness is there, just noticing if it's present or absent uh, with respect to, say, noticing uh, your breath, uh, being aware of the breath. And the third contemplation having to do with the Four Noble Truths uh, contemplation is to see whether there is any dukkha or discomfort or unease, either in the body or in the mind, and see what might be giving rise to it and and in in Buddhism, as you know, the cause for dukkha is is tanha, is wanting upadana, clinging. So I invited you to see if you want if there if you wanted things to be different, if there was a wanting of things to be different, and what would happen if you let go of that wanting, just let it be the way it is, if that causes any freedom in the moment at all, spaciousness. So those were the sh- three contemplations to to play with tonight, and I would love to hear from any of you um, who would like to share what might have been noticed or observed. That would be very helpful for everyone. Hi. The, the one that spoke to me that I, that I really have substance to speak of would be the third, which when you ask to um, see if you could let go of anything I, and it would be okay, you know, to let go of what my mind was doing instead of recognizing I was doing something very consistent and I have some teenagers that are driving me crazy these days and it's like fantasizing or thinking differently of them like the way I want it to be and it's just not really the way it is and it's okay and when you said to recognize that I was able to um, to feel really relieved to just to let go of trying to, to make it different than what it really is and just to I didn't even think about it anymore and it kept me just with my breath and in my present moment it, it really grounded me to, to let go because when I typically or some of the times I'll, I'll fight letting go and what does that do? <laughs> so I, I like that one Beautiful, thank you so much for sharing that yeah, and and I hope you can take that feeling of letting go and the release that <clears throat> it provided, take that home as a practice whenever that comes up. Yeah, thank you. 
anyone else. So um, I'm relatively new to uh, meditation and mindfulness, but um, I, I kind of got, uh, got got something out of all three. So the, the sound uh, one, um, I used to think of the sounds when I'm trying to meditate as an annoyance, like something I should be upset about, like, no, be quiet. And um, so to just hear the sounds as sounds and kind of let them go, uh, almost like thoughts, uh, I thought was kind of cool, you know. And uh, 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 so, uh, you know, that's a neat thing for me to start practicing. <laughs> And for many people as well. Yeah. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Uh, the second one. What was the second one again? The the second one was the uh, noticing mindfulness. If there was mindfulness present. Um. Yeah, I, I had a thought there. I forgot, but I'll move on to the next one because okay. it reminded me a little of what she just said with uh, teenagers. So uh, my son's a little older than a teenager, and I've been worried about this talk we need to have and as typical uh, um, you know I get anxious about it like projecting that it's going to be harder than it probably really is and so when I you know just kind of let it go and let it be then then I realize that you know we can talk and it'll probably you know go just fine but my tendency is to build up anxiety about things that I'm you know, and I start worrying about things rather than just kind of, you know, let them be. So that's another thing I need to practice. Nice. Thank you. So, the, so noticing the anxiety and the worry and behind that there's perhaps the wanting things to go a particular way with this talk. So it's that wanting of, of made go this way. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I could just kind of dovetail with what he was saying. I didn't realize until you used the word want after we'd done, been through all three that the intrusive thoughts that I was kind of trying to deal with and get back to the breath all related to that. And that, uh, um, so I've learned a lot from, yeah, goodness, they all had to do with want and what if I can let that slip away. Great. That's that's a great realization. It all has to do with wanting. I mean, that's what the Buddha taught. It's, it's in wanting. In the mindfulness, I'm still not sure whether I was doing it or not. Or if you if there's a few more words you want to say about what that step involved, mm-hmm. um, that would be great. So so um, I'll say a couple of words about that. It's um, it's somewhat of a subtle contemplation, perhaps. I mean, one can 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 treat it as sort of being open and just noticing that one is noticing, just noticing that the mind is not um, hindered or sleepy or just that the mind is noticing the breath, the mind is present, the mind is alert. It could be just simple as that. And there could be more refinements on that, really bringing the mind to the quality of mindfulness and all that. So we'll just keep it simple for, for the, for, because we're not on retreat right now. So, uh, when, so, so if you want to take... When I get home tonight and my wife asks me what mindfulness is, what should I tell her? Ah, well, that's, that, that can be a whole talk in and of itself. But, but I'll give you a, a quick, brief definition for, for this purpose. And again, just, um, so mindfulness is um, being pr- uh, present um, to moment to momentary experience, to moment-to-moment experience with a particular attitude. And that attitude is one of kindness, acceptance, curiosity. So being present to the moment-to-moment experience with kindness, curiosity, acceptance. How's that for a definition? Okay, we'll let that sit for now. Any other comments before we move on? Yeah. Um, in regards to the first one, I'm not a musician. Keep that close. Yeah, yeah. 
I'm a musician and an audio engineer, so I'm, my hearing is very specialized. I trained in a certain way. So it was nice to suddenly let that go and to just try to hear the sound on its own terms instead of, you know, sort of professional sense. I'm not sure if that makes sense or not. But yeah, nice. But um, it was a very uh, liberating sort of experience. Nice. I like the choice of word liberating because that's what the teachings are pointing to in a way, to not take it, take the senses so personally. And hearing is, is an easy one to experiment with. It just happens. It's not me, it's not mine. It just happens. Sound waves come, they hit the cochlea, and they get processed. Inner hair cells get activated, and signals get sent to the brain. It just it happens, right? It, it's not that personal in a way. Um, so liberating, I love the word liberating. It's, it just happens. It's, yeah, thank you. We have one more comment here. I um I find that when I can calm my mind down and just let go of everything, you know, and then I start getting in touch with what's going on in my body, there is so much going on. It's I mean, it's unbelievable to me that that I've been walking around my whole life and not and not feeling all that stuff that is going on. It's just unbelievable to me there's so much going on said it and I love the sense of awe that that comes with that wow so much is going on in this body in this mind when when I quiet the mind down exactly yeah and and we live much of our lives without opening that door and and quieting the mind to see what's happening there and when we actually do it we're amazed and it's it's amazing and it's delicious and it's it's it it keeps us that, that 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 interest uh, energy that keeps us going to practice. So that's energy. That's very uh, that's great, awesome. Yeah. So so with that, thank you for for everyone who spoke. Um, and I love how everything that you noticed really points to the teachings that uh, the Satipatthana Sutta is all about and points to. So um, so let's start with uh, with the sense fears. Actually, let me see if. Um, so last time we did talk about hindrances quite a bit. We had a lot of fun with hindrances. And um, the, um, we touched on the aggregates, but, but I wanted to make sure that uh, something um, that, 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 that something was covered about the aggregates, which was basically uh, in the teachings, um, the, the idea is to, to watch the aggregates arising and falling away. That's the instruction. And, and, that, um, and, that, instruct, and, and um, that instruction is supposed to really help us see the impermanence, um, the, the impermanent nature of everything that we take as me and mine, as our, the nature of our experience. So um, if you remember, we talked about it last week, that everything is... Um, everything that we take to be our human existence, our human experience, um, is really made up of the five aggregates of, of uh, form, uh, feeling tone, um, mental formations, and, um, and consciousness, um, and perception, and misperception. Um, an important one. Um, very important one. So... Um, so, in a way, Buddhism has a phenomenological point of view about a human experience. It's not about anything out there, but it's about whatever we experience and process from the inside. So, watching the arising and passing away of, say, perception um, can give us a clue as to the impermanence of things. So, I just wanted to touch, touch on that, because I felt it was left over from last week. Um, and now... I move to the topic of this week, which is sense fears. So, so moving to the sense fears, um, there are two levels of knowing, again, in the sutta laid out. Um, one, is, uh, one is one that we actually worked with in the instructions, uh, in the contemplation that I offered, which is just seeing, uh, uh, seeing as seeing, 
hearing as hearing, smelling as smelling, just just as that, just as what what they are, and also seeing the objects. So so um, actually, let me read part of the sutta. Here he knows the eye, he knows forms, and he knows the fetter that arises dependent on both, and he also knows how an unarisen fetter can arise, how an arisen fetter can be removed, and how a future arising of the removed fetter can be prevented. So so the first set of contemplations have to do with just examining, say, hearing and the object of hearing, and noticing what arises, what unwholesome states of mind, what, you know, what difficulties, for example, what hating a sound, arises from the two. Just that. That's one level of uh, contemplation. A second level of contemplation is the recipe that we talked about last week. The recipe is, okay, if actually, um, a, say, a fetter has arisen, and f- for, for, for the purposes of this, this discussion, let's take fetter to be unwholesome states of mind, like anger and wanting and, and, and things that you don't want in your mind to happen, just a fetter. Um, if a fetter has arisen, um, what, ha, what has given rise to it? So seeing what are the conditions that have given rise to the fetter. Um, and, um, if, and what conditions would actually allow, not, not, and the fetter is, uh, has, is, is here now, what conditions can remove it? So how, say, if you're annoyed by a sound, by the sound of someone coughing, how can that go away? How can that go away? And the third one is, if there is no, say, discomfort in the mind, there's no fetter in the mind, how can you avoid that from happening? So there are three levels of contemplations, which are pretty much parallel to what we discussed last week with the five hindrances. So, so okay, how does this, how does this relate? Well, um, First, actually, let's talk about the first level of knowing, which is the pointer to anatta, to bare perceptions, to liberation and freedom that we were talking about. So um, seeing that it's not personal, none of the experience of, of hearing and seeing and tasting and touching uh, and also the mind or as the sixth door, none of it is, um, is personal. Um, so these these contemplations point to the anatta, but more so, um, really, um, the the pointer to to notice that our cognitions are an outcome of our mental habits. So the way that you perceive a particular sound, say if the particular sound arises, upset in you. Uh, if you get upset about you know rustling or a car noise outside, it's really a set of mental habits that are given giving rise to the cognition right now. So the idea of perception or sanya is a really important pointer. Uh, what, what is pointed to in this teaching? So, um, so. How would one, um, how would one recognize one's mental habits? How would one try to change one's cognition? Because that's essentially what the pointer um, here is. Um, one suggestion is wise reflection. So, wise reflection being a way of contemplating what the alternative would be. So, um, in a way, this is similar to psychology, priming effect. I don't know if you've, uh, if there are psychologists among, among you familiar with the priming effect. So, so um, there are a lot of studies on priming. So, what is priming? So, um, people are, uh, subjects are taken to, um, uh, to the lab, and um, if, if, if they're implicitly primed, with words, say, related to stereotypes of er- elderly people, like uh, forgetful, Florida, wrinkle. Um, even though the words are not explicitly mentioning slowness or speed, those who are primed with these words walk more slowly out of the test booth. That's one example. 
another example of priming. Again, this is you know this is priming people in experiences when they don't expect it. And you see in a moment how this relates to our our own cognition, how we prime our own our, our own mental uh, mental faculties and mental actions. Uh, another example is um, if uh, people were primed with uh, rude words, they were more likely to interrupt the investigator than those who were primed with neutral words. Um, and those who were primed with polite words were least likely to interrupt uh, the experimenter. The last one, actually this is the one that I really like, is if people were given um, a hot beverage to, call, uh, to hold, they had more warm feelings. They described the, 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 um, uh, the examiner as in, in more warm ways, more pleasant ways than if they were given a, a cold beverage to hold. So there are so many ways in which that, in, in a short-term way, our behavior, our perception, our sanya, our perception of the world is, is affected and is primed. Uh, and psychologists know about this pretty well. So this is a short-term effect. There is the long-term effect that we can induce ourselves through wise reflection. So have you noticed that if you think about generosity, if you think about um, gratitude, if you, if you allow your mind to think about gratitude and generosity, your whole mood changes. You tend to act more kindly towards others and towards yourself. If you're contemplating compassion and kindness, um, then your behavior changes. These are the ways that you can, you, you can prime yourself. I mean, psychologists call it priming, in the Satipatthana Sutta, it, it can be referred to as wise contemplation. It's the same thing. There, these are ways in, in real life you can change your sanya, your perception, and the way you see the world, the way you act towards more wholesome actions than not. Um, another... Another way, um, another suggestion as to the way to affect the sense of perception or sanya um, is by guarding the sense doors. So if you've ever been on a uh, silent retreat, that's something that is, is, uh, uh, is suggested by the teachers. Guard the sense doors, guard the sense doors. Don't keep looking around and get distracted. Um, so guarding the sense doors doesn't necessarily mean not seeing and not hearing um, at all. If, if that were the case, then blind and, um, and deaf people would be completely realized, which is not the case. But the idea is, is choosing not to see, choosing not to engage in what is not productive for you. So let's think about that. Let's think about that in daily life, in, in, in our lives. Are there things that are not productive for us to engage in? Are there... TV shows, are there people, are there things, are there places that are not wise for us to, to engage in? Anyone? Yeah? Yeah? So that's a way to interpret uh, guarding the sense doors. It's not to say I'm not just not seeing and not hearing at all, but just guarding in the right way, engaging, so, so that you allow your mind to um, to dwell in in places you want it to dwell and not not otherwise, keeping good company. Um, that's another one. So with that, I would like to move to the next um, part, which is the awakening factors, the contemplation of the awakening factors. And uh, let me start by reading part of the sutta uh, as a pointer. Here, if the mindfulness awakening factor is present in him, he knows there is the mindfulness awakening factor in me. If the mindfulness awakening factor is not present in him, he knows there is no mindfulness factor 
mindfulness awakening factor in me. He knows how to how the unarisen mindfulness awakening factor can arise and how the arisen mindfulness awakening factor can be perfected by development. So this continues for all the seven awakening factors, uh, starting with sati, which is mindfulness, uh, investigation, which is uh, dhammacharya, um, energy, which is virya, which we were talking about earlier tonight, um, joy, which is piti, a tranquility, which is pasadi, concentration, samadhi, and equanimity, uh, which is upekka. Um, and uh, basically, as I read the contemplation, it's similar to what um, what shows up earlier in the sutta, f- f- uh, what we just talked about in terms of the sense sense doors and the sense factors. This, the sense doors. So the first part of the contemplation is just seeing whether the factor itself is present or absent. Is mindfulness, is, is, is it there? Is it not there? And this is something that we tried in the contemplation tonight. The second level of contemplation is, okay, if it's there, what gave rise to it? Let's see what, what made it happen. Um, and and if, um, if it's not there, how can we make it happen, right? So that's the second level of, uh, of contemplation. Um, and notice that with these positive factors, the, the negative one is missing, which is if it has arisen, how do we get rid of it? Because obviously we don't want to get rid of the, the, the awakening factors. We want, to, we want them to be uh, alive and well. So, uh, so a few comments on the awakening factors. The one comment is that um, if you notice the order of them, they start with sati. Sati is the base. Sati is the one that really starts, starts the ball rolling, gets, gets all of them going. And in the sutta, there isn't really a way, uh, um, there isn't a contemplation as to, to how to make the other ones come about. Basically, uh, you know, there's not, a, um, the, the way to make all of them come about is through sati. When you have mindfulness, mindfulness is going to lead to increased investigation factor because you're going to have the mindfulness and you're going to investigate dhammas, you're going to investigate objects. And when you have that investigation, that naturally is going to give rise to energy in, 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 in your body and mind. And naturally, that energy is going to give rise to joy because you're so excited. You know, the, the mind becomes refreshed about that, uh, with, with that energy of, of investigation. And that joy, when you have that sense of joy or pity uh, in, in, um, uh, in your investigation, uh, then that can actually, at that point, it can veer off to, to, um, um, to exuberance. But actually, if one continues with, with sati, with mindfulness, that joy, that, that pity, um, Pali, the word is pity, um, becomes... Uh, it actually it 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 um, veers. It it becomes tranquil. It becomes pasadi. It becomes tranquility, and that joy changes to tranquility naturally because of the sati, because of the mindfulness, and then that tranquility then gives rise naturally to samadhi um, or concentration, and um, when the concentration builds up again, the way, where with, 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 for example, jhanas and the concentration itself, it naturally leads to a state of complete equanimity and, and lack of attachment. So they lead, the, each of them lead to, to the other just naturally, and it all starts with sati, all starts with mindfulness. Um, so a few things to also note is that... Um, as we talked about hindrances last time, the awakening factors, the seven awakening factors, um, are the opposite of the hindrances. For example, um, uh, uh, investigation is the opposite of doubt. 
because investigation allows you to see what is wholesome, what's unwholesome, whereas doubt is sort of like, oh, is this right, is this not right? Um, so if there is doubt in the mind, that would be a good time to increase the investigation, as we talked about it last week. Um, another one is virya, which is, um, uh, which is energy. And that is the opposite to sloth and torpor that we talked about last week again. And, and also virya is related to atapi, diligence, it's a sust- it, which is a sustained energy, which is sustained application of attention. Not necessarily intensity, but it's just sustained. It's the same level of relaxed energy, relaxed attention, but sustained over and over and over again. The same way that when you're doing mindfulness meditation, your mind is going to wander a million times. It's just part of the practice. It's going to happen. And every time, you just bring it back. You just bring it back. You just bring it back. You don't have to bring it back with force. You bring it back with gentleness. But it's that sustained energy. You just do it over and over and over again. Um, These seven factors... um, are necessary for cultivation of, of realization um, and nibbana. Um, and also, the, the mastery of them um, is known, is, in the suttas, is talked about as, um, um, as helpful for recovering from physical illness. And um, we can imagine that, right? I mean, they... they, they um, there are such um, there are such invigorating mental factors that they do affect the body quite strongly. The sense of, for example, a joy uh, pervading through the body, or or pasadi tranquility. Um, so, um, if um, if realization already wasn't a an, a motivation, um, I think um, there's so many. So many, um, um, so many advantages to to, ha- to 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 the mastery of these to these skills. And actually, after the seven factors are are mastered, and and the mind can be, um, in a way, um, w- with ease, bring them up even in daily life. Uh, the way it's mentioned in the suttas, it's like choosing to wear choosing to wear a particular thing out of the wardrobe. Like today you want to wear this, to wear, tomorrow you want to wear that. So, so that sense of mastery of allowing um, calm, for example, samadhi to come up, or joy and pity to come up, or energy or virya. So, um, I highly encourage you to to to. Um, uh, to build on the sati, which is the base of all of these awakening factors, um, and see for yourself. So um, with that, I would like to move to the last part of the sutta, which is uh, the contemplation of the Four Noble Truths, and see how that fits in. So, um, reading part of the, the sutta, here he knows as it really is. This is dukkha. He knows as it really is. This is the arising of dukkha. He knows as it really is. This is the cessation of dukkha. He knows as it really is. This is the way leading to the cessation of dukkha. So first, um, on the translation of the word dukkha, and um, um, Analyo Bhikkhu has chosen not to translate the word dukkha in his translation, as you see, for various reasons. So, so dukkha is often translated as suffering, and I'm sure we've heard all of that. Uh, 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 we've all heard that before, suffering. Um, but. The word dukkha is also uh, perhaps better translated as as unease, as a sense of friction, stress, disharmony, unease, um, I think I mentioned that already, uncomfortable, 
unsatisfactoriness. I like unsatisfactoriness. And one argument that he offers, which I like about um, dukkha, about suffering not being a very good translation of dukkha, is this. So, in various places, the Buddha says that everything is dukkha. Um, even say for Vedana, for mental tone, either po- also positive, negative, and neutral, all of that are dukkha also. Um, so if you translate it as suffering, it wouldn't quite make sense to say positive or pleasant is suffering, right? But if you translate it as unsatisfactory, then it would make sense, right? Because even pleasant can become unsatisfactory, can be unsatisfactory. Because the pleasant is pleasant for a little while, and then it's going to become unpleasant. You know, the, 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 the bowl of ice cream, it's going to be pleasant for a while, and then you get a stomachache if you eat it all, right? Or it's going to melt. So, so, so in the world, even pleasant will turn to unsatisfactory, not necessarily suffering, but unsatisfactory. So, so that's, a, um, I think, a... Um, uh, a better translation that holds holds it all, and also we we know that in our lives too, say um, say success. So you work hard and hard to, to 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 be successful, be on top of the 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 food chain, and then okay, now what? So what? Okay, what's next? Right? That sense of satis- unsatisfactoriness, inherent unsatisfactoriness, comes up. Um, so. Um, In what in in this contemplation, um, basically, um, dukkha. Uh, th- th- so so there are the four parts to this contemplation. One is that dukkha has to be understood, and its origin has to be abandoned. Its cessation has to be realized, and the path to its realization has to be developed. Analyo Bhikkhu has a way of, of translating this, which I really liked and I want to share with you. So he says, the five aggregates are to be understood. Ignorance and craving are to be abandoned. Knowledge and freedom are to be realized. Calm, samadhi, and insight, vipassana, are to be developed. So, there are pointers to practicing um, the Four Noble Truths for ultimate realization, but also there are ways that we can practice this on the mundane level. And um, in part of the contemplation earlier tonight, in the meditation, I was suggesting that you um, notice when when there is friction, when there is unease, and see um, and see if there is wanting behind it, and let that go. So similarly, in daily life, you can see when frustration comes up, when there are things that you things are not going the way you want them to. Um, when, say, your position is threatened, anything in life that's not going the way you want it. And see if there is is an underlying um, uh, tanha, if there's an underlying wanting, a pattern of craving, which has given rise to an expectation or clinging or upadana that is basically manifesting this dukkha or unease in your life. And see if what if you let it go for just a moment, and just let things be the way they are, letting go of that expectation, letting go of that clinging to wanting things to be different. If there's going to be a little more freedom, just experiment in your mind. Just see what happens. And see. And right now, as you're sitting here, actually. Um, I invite you to think about that for a moment. Actually, let's do a contemplation together. Bring up an issue in your life that's causing stress, frustration, 
where you want things to be different. And now see if you can notice the underlying want, wanting things to be a particular way, which they're not. But that wanting, can you see that? Can you touch it? For a moment, can you let go of that want for just this thought experiment? Just letting go. Letting go. Letting things be as they are. And see if that shifts anything in your body or in your mind. When you're done, I invite you to open your eyes. So, given that this is Earth Care Week, I wanted to relate, um, especially the last part of what we just uh, discussed, the Four Noble Truth contemplation um, to Earth Week, that that there is suffering. We all know, we have no doubt at this point, I hope we don't have any doubt about global warming and about, about the way the earth is suffering. Um, that there is suffering and the origin of suffering has to be abandoned. And that cessation of the suffering of the earth has to be realized. And there is a path for that realization, a path that all of us can work towards as practitioners on the path, wanting the best for ourselves, for the people we care about, our loved ones, all beings, and the earth. So thinking about what are the the small steps that we can each take. Could it be choosing um, not to eat beef, for example, for a week, for a month, forever, knowing what ecological effect it has? Could we do that? Could we choose to shorten our showers in the morning by a few minutes? Could we join a cause and actually work towards it more actively? So whatever that might be in your life, I invite you to spend, spend a few minutes thinking about it. So on that note, I'd like to invite your thoughts, your reflections, any questions, about anything tonight, um, either about what we just talked about Earth Week or about the contemplation you just did, about noticing distress and dukkha in your life. So the floor is yours. I just have a question about the how to let go. And I'm sitting here thinking, all right, yes, let go, but how? I always stumble on that. I'm thinking, sometimes I imagine like physically letting go of something, but I just wondered if there's any other, you know, um, kind of how to. Mm -hmm. I always kind of wrestle with that. Yeah, yeah. That's a good one. 
I like what you said in terms of experimenting with, with the physical letting go. Because um, there's a lot of research um, connecting um, f- physical understanding of, of actions to our mental model of it. So if you can actually physically manifest it and, and, and physically feel into it, I think that can help the, the mentally getting the letting go. So I think that's a really good place to start. So I applaud your intuition and, and really get into that. And the last contemplation, I realized, um, or I, I sensed, um, I was, we're looking for a house. I have two kids. It's like, you know, when are we going to get into the house? When are we going to get the house? And it's causing me a lot of, a lot of dukkha. <laughs> and and um, just trying to do that for just a minute, just letting go of the idea that we are where we are, and that's okay. I actually felt my heart open a little bit, mm. or like just um, relaxation, and especially right, right between my shoulders, and yeah. So it was it was great. It it, it didn't last very long because I, you know I really need that security and that, that the certainty, but um, that little bit helped, and hopefully I could le- want it less, um, and and create more ease. So thank you. Wonderful. Thank you, and thanks for sharing that. And and. Um, one thing you said about it lasted a moment. Great. That's, that's fine. That's as long as these insights last. Right? It's a micro moment. But, but tasting that, just knowing what it felt like, oh, it's there. It can be there again. And you know how to get there. And that's part of the contemplation of all of this. So let me make this real. Now you know how to make it happen. How, when it, ar- when it was arisen, how you make it, make, make it arise, that's it. That's the contemplation, right? Now you know how, how to do it, and you can do it again and get that micro-moment of release and let it expand. So that's it. It almost seemed that maybe I just accepted, it was a little bit of acceptance of our situation. Nice, nice, nice. May it be lasting. Thank you. Something that has been very powerful for me out of this whole series was, I believe it's called The Feeling Tone. That has been amazing for me because if you can, if I can catch it at the feeling tone, it's, it's, it, it almost, it never goes into the cling. And I mean, I've, I've had moments where I would, like I open my eyes or I'll see something or I'll hear something and just this remark will come out of my mouth and I will, I mean at that point I go where did that come from? And then I can I can catch it right there. So um, that's actually been a lot of fun because just just to be totally unaware that that's even going on and then to actually you know, catch it right before it goes into something. And, uh, and it, w- it was wonderful, too, because I shared it with my sister, and then she started calling me and telling me, hey, this happened today, hey, this happened today. It was just, it was, it's just, I think it's just one of the most, it's a simple thing almost, but very powerful to connect with it. So that's been wonderful. I just thank you so much for that. Thank you. Thanks for bringing it up and, and, and sharing how transformative that, that teaching has been for you. That's that's fantastic. That's great. Yay. Um, and, and if any of you haven't practiced with Vedana, the feeling tone, this is here, the, here's a testimony. It's, it's, it's a great, I mean, really, it's a, it's a fantastic practice. Um, and when you start seeing it, you start noticing it everywhere before things get big, before they, they you know, it's like a sn- snowball effect, right? Before it goes down the hill, you, you catch it right at the beginning. And it's just so much fun to see it 
really, it's, it's subtle, but, but at, it's subtle and not too subtle when you see it. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great practice, highly recommended. Yeah, thank you. And also I wanted to say that's why, you know, the, the, the various satipatthanas, the four satipatthanas, like the last one, you know, has, has five parts to it, and, you know, it's expanded, and the mind, you know, the fourth one, that the body had all these different parts to it. And the second one is just Vedana. It's just Vedana, right? It's just feeling tone because it's so important. It's so profound that it just, it, it, there's a whole teaching just on that Vedana. It, it can be profound. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. We have time for one more comment. It's the end, the end of the series. Anything? So here's how the contemplation worked for me. You can tell me if I'm on the right track. So I mentioned this anxiety over dealing with my son. So in the contemplation, I let the anxiety go. And I, uh, the words kindness and acceptance came into my head. And then what came in for me was compassion. And rather than be agitated and mad at him, I thought, I love you. I can help you. Let's work together. Rather than this kind of anxious madness, you know, it just, it really calmed me down. Beautiful. (laughs) Yay. I think that's the right note to end the series on. Beautiful. Thank you. Great. So thank you all for your attention and for your practice. And let's dedicate the merit of all of our practice to, to the liberation of all beings and the well-being of planet Earth.